Good morning, everyone. Good morning. We're uh, at it again. <laughs> um, it's always good to have um, many in the household of faith, and this is an enjoyable morning. <laughs> okay. um, we didn't get any rain, but we're hopeful. So just keep praying for rain. Uh, we sure need it. The whole state needs it. I wanted to talk about a couple of things that, that was going through my head during the week. And so there's different parts of the scripture. When you look at it, you wonder, well, when would this fit into a sermon? I wished it would, you know. <laughs> and uh, so I started looking for a couple of other uh, avenues to get something started on that line. And maybe I'll put a little bit in each week. And uh, so fellowship. Fellowship here amongst each other with friends and family and and church people and people that believe alike or similar and so on. Those things are helping friendship, but definitely friendship with Jesus. Joining with Jesus to do something for God's kingdom, for the future, for the betterment of, of um, just everybody all together. Like when you have a fellowship meeting and, uh, and, and there's more people there, you have more fun. And uh, if you um, think of... Uh, other kinds of fellowship where we, we need companionship every once in a while. We need to talk to somebody about our hurts and our sorrows and have somebody to pray with, somebody that you can to phone up and say, boy, I got myself in a, a dither with somebody and uh, I need the right words, I need the right answers, I need some scriptures, I need you know some input and have somebody to talk to. That would, brotherhood, sisterhood, I don't know if that's a good word. <laughs> A word, but they call it a brotherhood when, when we visit with one another, right? When we communicate with one another, ask for help. And so I was looking at the words in here at the beginning of chapters or the ending of chapters of how they fellowshiped with each other, what was the feeling amongst the, the brotherhood. And the other one is uh, uh, how do you witness to new people? Because that hit me this week, right? Uh, three, four people, the, the mechanic, the two guys with the tires, the, you know, on and on. Uh, you run into people that you need to say something appropriate, something friendly, something kind of fellowshipping idea to draw them into the group or to draw them into trust with you. Uh, I've talked with people that asked about, well, what do you believe? And they're scared as to what I might say. And they don't want to get caught up, you might say, and, uh, and feel like they can't back out. I'd never do that to anybody. I wouldn't want anybody to do that with me. I don't want to ever feel squeezed or cornered or trapped. I don't want to feel that way. So I wouldn't do that to anybody else. The idea is to learn more of the scriptures so that we are on the same wavelength. That becomes friends, right? When we say things that are meaningful or, or that, that anybody can agree with, Biblical things, the Psalms or the Proverbs or, you know, and eventually we get to the harder and harder things. Sometimes it's an educational thing. The Bible will talk about meats. And then you realize, oh, they're talking about just general food, vegetables, soup or whatever, you know, just vegetables, not, not specific meat devices. Sheep, goats, beef, chicken, you know, turkey, fish. <laughs> um, it's not that kind of meat. You're talking about the general eating together, sitting down together and visiting with one another and um, eating. So there's, there's an educational thing that happens too by the, by the way we visit with each other. 
You begin to feel that camaraderie. So go with me first on the idea of fellowship. Fellowship with Jesus. Uh, It's good to have a senior brother or sister that we can lean on or go to. But let's just go to uh, Romans chapter 1. Romans chapter 1. Now here's a senior brother that comes along. And uh, he wants to visit or has visited and he's writing a letter to them. So Romans chapter 1 verse 1. Let's just catch how he addresses the other person in friendship, companionship. Paul, a servant of Jesus Christ. Actually, that word servant is translated from a word that could very easily be said slave. And we like the idea of servants, you know, the towel over the arm and the you know, platter or something. Servant. Now, this could be the other way around. He is under control. A servant does not do his own thing. He doesn't plan things on his own. He has to be told what to do. And that's more what it is when you're serving Jesus Christ. You don't say, well, Jesus, I'm going to serve you, but this is how I'm going to do it. (laughs) Don't do that. That's not the kind of serving Jesus. If Jesus come along and and gave us a commission to do, that's what you do for slaves, right? Ah, yeah. But if Jesus said, you go and meet with that person, and I'm going to give you the words to say, all of a sudden the the onus is, is different, isn't it? You were sent. Jesus was sent from heaven. His Father sent him. That's things you do to somebody that's not of the same level as you are. Interesting. One guy talked to me about uh, the Trinitarian beliefs and how uh, Jesus is God or God is God or God can be Jesus if he chooses to be. Uh, Some believe that. Uh, When you get to talking like that, all of a sudden you realize, this fellow said to me, If you had twins, two identical people, identical traits, identical ways of handling things, if you had twins, what would you look for? You'd actually be looking for the differences. How do you tell them apart? Ah, that works with the idea of Trinity as well. Exactly. Wow. God sent Jesus. He didn't send himself and he didn't command that he should go. God sent him. God told him to go. We'll run into that a little more, just in passing. So right off the ball here, we've got a different look at the way Paul addresses himself and others. So Paul, a servant of Jesus Christ, and he's hoping that you'll do the same. Called to be an apostle. When you're called, you didn't make that decision. Wow. Wow. That's different too, isn't it? You're called. We are all called to serve Jesus Christ, to witness for him and mention things to other people. We're called. Separated. Oh, now there's another one. Do you see how you can grab up a little verse? How are you going to start this letter to this person now? Dearly beloved, you know, what else would you say that's of value? Separated unto the gospel of God. Some people are given a job by Jesus Christ, by the Heavenly Father, by the Holy Spirit. You know, you're given a a job to do for the church or for the Lord or for uh, furthering of God's kingdom or Jesus' kingdom. You're given a job. You're actually separated 
from other people. Other people have that job and they're expected to do it. That person has that job and they're expected to do it. You find those lists in the New Testament, right? The leaders of the church and they names a bunch of them. Some are witnesses, some are teachers, some are, you know, goes on and on. Well, he said he was separated unto the gospel of God. He was told his job was to go to the Gentiles. Now, this is Paul. What was Peter's job? To the Hebrew people. Paul was to the Gentile people. He said, I've been separated, not in a bad way, in a loving way. He said, this is your job. This is what I want you to do. This is what you can handle. Paul said he could speak more languages than the others. He knew Greek. He knew <laughs> Hebrew. He knew this. He knew that. And, and Roman language. And he knew how to communicate. He had been trained in communication. Wow, okay. So he's been separated, been given this job. Which he had promised afore by the prophets in the Holy Scriptures. So he here would be God or Jesus Christ, but he's, he's getting four promises. We know the Old Testament talks a lot about the Heavenly Father. And by his prophets, by God's prophets of the Old Testament. See how you can kind of pick out, okay, the first he is talking about the Heavenly Father then, right? Because the second he is Heavenly Father. The prophets that belong to him, his. In the Holy Scriptures, which th this, this book, actually not. The Holy Scriptures are back here that he's talking about. All the Old Testament are Holy Scriptures as well as the New Testament. Interesting, isn't it? Wow, they were preaching from this half of the Bible, a third, two-thirds. They were preaching, this is the Holy Scriptures. Amazing. We, we need to do that. We need to understand some of these things that we can catch. And what are these Scriptures got in it? And what was he sent to do? And start verse 3. Concerning his Son, Jesus Christ, our Lord, the Heavenly Father has sent him to do this and this concerning his Son, Jesus Christ, our Lord. So this person has different names. His given name is one that you talk to regularly, is Jesus. But what else do you find? Called Christ. He's the Messiah. He was the sent one from the Old Testament to die for the people of the whole world. He's the Messiah. He's Christ. Our Lord, I sure hope it is for every one of us that He is our Lord. You notice this is capital L, lowercase o, lowercase r, lowercase d. That doesn't diminish the person's power and strength. It's just distinguishing between the Old Testament Lord, which was the Heavenly Father, and the New Testament Lord, which is Jesus Christ. Then you say, whoa, no, wait a minute. Our Lord? Is He your Lord? If not, you better make him your Lord. Right? There's things that you can catch in these verses so easily and people just seemingly miss it. They just go right by it or something. Anyway, uh, which was made of the seed of David. Uh, it was the family line that it was promised to. According to the flesh. According to normal flesh people, uh, this was his family line. Okay. And we know Mary and Joseph came from that family line. Mary and Joseph. Interesting. Where's, where's their 
pedigree. Right here in the, in the Gospels. Isn't that neat? Wow. See who's in that list. And declared to be the Son of God with power. If you're talking about the Son of God, wow. Sometimes you can't imagine how much power he had until last night when the wind was blowing real hard. I wondered whether my tree was going to split in half and fall on the road. <laughs> it was blowing pretty hard. Ah, Jesus was the one that could stop the wind on the ocean, on the water. And the disciples said, who is this one that even the winds and the waves obey him? Oh, if they obey Jesus Christ, I'm going to pray. And I thought, okay, here goes. You know, you expect little, but you're supposed to have your faith right up here, right? <laughs> so I prayed my normal way for storms to turn or whatever and prayed against the, the wind. And you know what? I'm walking in the hallway in my house and the wind quit. Not completely, but I didn't hear it howling in the windows and howling in the trees and howling in the rafters, shingles and so on. Oh, wow. Prayer works. Yeah, <laughs> it does. <laughs> okay, Lord, I got it. <laughs> okay. Oh, boy. Amazing what you can get from the Scriptures and what can build up your faith and help you. So, uh, it's the Son of God with power. According to the Spirit of holiness by the resurrection of the dead. So when you start thinking about, we know Jesus was the first fruit what is that? First fruit of the dead, it says. The first to come back from the dead. Oh, no, wait a minute. There's people in the Old Testament that died and they came back to life, right? They prayed for it and they came back to life? How about uh, uh, Lazarus? Have we got a case there? No, we don't because they died again. Jesus is the only one that came from the grave, went right to his father, and he's going to come back one day at his will, at the will of the Heavenly Father. He didn't die again. He won't, he won't be dying again. He's alive forever. So he's the first. Wow, that puts a little difference on this resurrection from the dead. By whom we have received grace and apostleship through Jesus Christ for obedience to the faith according uh, among all nations for his name. Wow. The name of Jesus is very, very powerful in every nation. Uh, verse 6. Uh -huh. Among whom we are also the called of Jesus Christ. Are you called? Yeah. You are. You are. You're a somebody. Heavenly Father knows you. Jesus knows you. Jesus called you. Wow. Okay. To all that are in... So he's going on with his letter now. To all those that are in Rome, uh, beloved of God, called again to be saints. To the saints at such and such a church. To the called at such and such a church. If you're not called and acting like a saint, you're in trouble. You better find out what it's all about. Start living it. Because it is a reality. So he's saying, uh, good greetings to you. Grace to you and peace from God our Father and Lord Jesus Christ. 
if they were both the same person, you would word that differently, right? You got two persons here. You got the Heavenly Father, our Father, and the Lord, our Lord, Jesus Christ. There's two people there. First, I thank my God. Do you have a God? Jesus said, I'm going back to my God and your God, and your Father and my Father. Wow. There's two people there. Jesus has a God. Wow, that's different. It's true though, right? We all have a God. We all have a Savior. We all have Jesus Christ. First, I thank my God through Jesus Christ. Thank my God through Jesus Christ for all, for you all. Must be from Oklahoma. You all. Uh, <laughs> that your faith is spoken of throughout the whole world. It would not be neat. For God is my witness, whom I serve with my spirit in the gospel of his Son, that without ceasing I make mention of you always in my prayers. Could you say that to somebody else when you write a letter to him? I remember you in prayer. I'm praying for you always. I don't forget you. Wow, that's a powerful statement. Making request, if by any means, now at length, I might have a prosperous journey by the will of God to come unto you. He's desiring to go to them. He's praying for God's blessing that this would happen. If it's God's will, you know, this sort of thing, that he would have a prosperous journey. These are things that you can write to people or you can pray for them in, the, in these words. So let's go quickly to one more place here. To 1 Corinthians. 1 Corinthians. He's going to write to them. What would he say? 1 Corinthians in the first chapter. Now I'll tell you, he gives them a blasting in this letter, in this 1 Corinthians. First Corinthians, because they had a problem, big problem in their church. We need to know some of these problems in order to avoid them, not to repeat them. Right? Stay away from the problems. Stay away from things that go wrong or that we let go wrong. So here's Paul again writing. Paul called to be an apostle of Jesus Christ through the will of God. Do you see how you can sit down and just... Oh, you can just take these words and say, wow, isn't this great? And he mentions a brother. Verse 2, unto the church of God. What's the name of your church over there? Church of God of Westside of Oklahoma City. Okay. What's your church over there? Church of Ephesus. What's that one over there? That church of. Church of. Church of God. That's the name that we need to be using. So the church of God that's at Corinth to them that are sanctified in Christ Jesus. Are you sanctified? This can be a blessing to say this to those people that were there, if they were in fact sanctified. They ought to be. That's what it's all about. We ought to be sanctified. Called to be saints. You're not just a regular member. Not just a person that shows up, you know, at this place. We actually are sanctified. When I caught on to that idea that we're saved, that we're sanctified, that we're loved, that we're cared for, that we are, that made a big difference in my life. 
He can say, you're a somebody. No matter how much somebody else puts you down, you're a somebody in God's eyes. Wow, that, that was powerful for me. I always felt like I was an underdog, didn't quite measure up, and that I needed to do more to get extra, you know, so that I would be somebody. And not that I wanted the money or the fame or whatever, because I knew better than that. The scripture talks about that too. But I needed to be something, to belong somewhere, to be somebody. And wow, that, that just called to be saints? Wow, we are called. We are somebody. We're loved and so on. God takes care of his own as well, which is very good. Call to be saints. With all that in every place, call upon the name of the Lord Jesus, uh, our Lord, both ours and theirs and ours. Grace be unto you and peace for God our Father and from the Lord Jesus Christ. Wow. How the, you can use these words to write a letter or to pray. Right? You can say, my Lord Jesus Christ. You better make sure he is your Lord and Savior and Master, you know. But that's the, you can use those words. I thank my God. Okay, mine. My God. He's going to take care of me. Always on your behalf. I'm thanking my God for you. For the grace of God which is given you by Jesus Christ, that in everything ye are enriched by him, in all utterance and in all knowledge. I think I need, yeah, I want to go a little further. Even as the testimony of Christ was confirmed in you, so that ye come behind in no gift. See, you're not going to miss out on anything. You're not going to lose out any gifts. He's, he's, Paul's concerned about you and Jesus is concerned about you. Waiting for the coming of our Lord Jesus Christ. Coming sounds kind of, okay, you'll drop by. No. This coming is when he comes as Lord and Master. He's going to rule this earth. When his feet land on the Mount of Olives and so on, he's going to rule here for a thousand years. And he's my friend? I'm going to have fellowship with him. Wow, we can sit down and eat together and so on. Wow, this is really something. Anyway, uh, Paul is very happy for them that, that they might be shown blameless in the day of our Lord Jesus Christ. When Jesus returns, when it's his day and he's going to be king and he's going to rule, you're going to be a friend and you're going to be blameless? No sin in your life? Wow. We've got to prepare, prepare now, right? God is faithful by whom ye are called, again that word, Unto the fellowship, there's that word, of his Son, Jesus Christ, our Lord. Now I beseech you, that means I'm begging and pleading with you, brethren, all the believers he's talking to, by the name of our Lord Jesus Christ, that ye all speak the same thing. They had had problems in their church, and he said, you've got to get this fixed. And that there is no division among you. Okay, it got that far. They were being mean with each other, I guess. And that's not right. But that ye be perfectly joined together in the same mind and in the same judgment. Wow. You know, in human measurements, that's impossible. With God, all things are possible. Wow, so you can do that. You could have this perfect situation. 
So I got to thinking about then the, don't want to go too long. In fact, I told somebody that joke this week about why do pastors wear their wristwatch on the inside? And the one fellow just belly laughed because his dad had been a preacher. I said, you, you're going along in the sermon and you point to the Holy Land and while you're talking, and oh, I got five minutes to go, so <laughs> stretch the sermon a little. But uh, he laughed really big. He said, yeah, I've heard a lot of preacher's jokes, but that's a good one. <laughs> okay. So here's some verses that you might want to jot down just the, the location of the verse and look them up later. And, I, and I've got the computer printout so that I can read the Bible from these papers. Okay. Uh, I like it when you get only Bible and then you can look it up and you can compare and understand. It's got a different weight of value because it comes from the Bible, the Holy Bible, the Holy Words of the, of the Bible. In 2 Kings 22.19, it's talking about fellowship, that we want fellowship with Jesus Christ um, in soul winning. Get Jesus to point out and we follow Jesus' example. And What do you do if, do if you find a woman at a well? Uh, let's see, that was right there, wasn't it? Tells you exactly what to do and how to say it. Okay, we need some of that as to how to handle these situations. Here's, uh, again, 2 Kings 22, verse 19. Because thine heart was tender, uh, we're going to get some instruction here, and thou hast humbled thyself. How do you get fellowship with Jesus Christ? How do you accept Christ as your Savior? Humble yourself unto the Lord. And this is the capital L, capital O, capital R, capital D. Fellowship with the Heavenly Father? Right. Okay. When thou heardest that I spake against this place, about Jerusalem, and against the inhabitants thereof, oh my, that they should become a desolation and a curse. That's what was going to happen to Jerusalem. They were going to be desolate. They were going into captivity and has rent thy clothes. They used to just, they'd get so sorrowful like they wanted to show an example of grief, they would tear something, you know, tear their clothing, and, uh, and wept before me. You know, I got to thinking, when was the last time I cried in this church? Few and far between. When I came 14 years ago, we cried more often. Is our world getting harder, or is it my imagination? We don't have a soft heart anymore. We don't cry at church. Nobody wants to cry at church. That's belittling or shameful or... Yes, we should cry before the Lord. I also have heard thee, saith the Lord. God is watching what we're doing, whether we're humble, whether we're tender-hearted. And that's, that's how we get fellowship with the Heavenly Father. And we show our, our desire to be direct and faithful. In Psalm 34, verse 18... The Lord is nigh unto them that are of a broken heart and saveth such as have a contrite, contrite spirit. Um, I'm thinking ahead, you know, all the time. So, uh, broken hearted. It's not the thing that goes bump, bump, bump inside your chest. It's this kind of heart, your brain. Are you really broken hearted? Are you mindful of this sad situation that you're in or that the world's in? And he's going to save such 
Heavenly Father is going to save us if we have a contrite spirit, quiet and gentle spirit. Okay, also Isaiah 22, verse 12. And in that day did the Lord God of hosts call to weeping and to mourning and to baldness. That was something they used to do. And girding yourself with sackcloth. Have you ever been that sad about certain things? Are you worried about the lost? Are you ever concerned about the people down the street that are going to die? Since the wages of sin is death. They're going to die. And no hope to come back. Unless we get to them and try to convert them, try to help them find their way to salvation through Jesus Christ. Are we sad enough that we'd wear sackcloth? Okay, Isaiah 55, verse 7. Let the wicked forsake his way. That's how you get out of that situation and get fellowship with God. For wicked should forsake their way. People don't want to be told that they're wicked. Uh, but the Bible says, all have sinned and come short of the glory of God. We're all in that boat. We've got to get ourselves out of there. You've got to forsake that way. And the unrighteous man, his thoughts. Boy, the New Testament talks about that too. We've got to get rid of those bad thoughts. Don't let them come into our minds. And let him return unto the Lord. You can't return if you've never been there. So the best thing to do is to, re to get there first. And then God will help you not to have to return. You get yourself right and stay right. And he will have mercy upon him, that person that does that, and to our God, be faithful unto our God, for he will abundantly pardon. He's waiting to pardon us. He's going to make it right. Straighten our ways and help us to be ready to meet Jesus when he comes. Ezekiel chapter 18, verse 21. But if the wicked will turn from all his sins that he hath committed and keep my statutes and do that which is lawful and right, he shall surely live. He shall not die. So there's the, there's the, the mixture, the, the, the way of getting right with God. How to have eternal life and know that it's yours. If you're doing these, you've got eternal life. That's how you know if you're saved, by what you're doing. There's lots of verses in the New Testament on that too. Talk about that. Um, again in Ephesians 18, but verse 31 this time. Last time was 21, now 31 in that same chapter. Cast away from you all your transgressions. You know better, just get rid of them. You know when they're wrong. God will nudge you, the Holy Spirit will pinch you, your toes. <laughs> You know better. You need to cast them away from you. Whereby ye have transgressed against the Heavenly Father, against righteousness, and make you a new heart, a new way of thinking, a new way of reasoning, a new way of understanding, and a new spirit. For why will ye die, O house of Israel? Israel is supposed to be the good guys. He said, Why are you going to let yourself die? You know better. And I've given you the way out. Just do it. Hosea chapter 14, verse 2. Take with you words 
and turn to the Lord, say unto him, Take away all iniquity and receive receive us graciously so we will render the calves of our lips. He doesn't want calves that are put on an altar and burnt and the smoke goes up to heaven. That's, that's not a good idea. Even at their time, he wanted people with real lives, real behaviors and doing properly. Gracious, receive us graciously because we're going to render ourselves doing service to the Heavenly Father. And it says, take words with you. Well, how do you take words with you? Right here. Didn't we look at some words already this morning? How do you write to somebody? How do you do this? How do you grow that? There was words there. So we need to take words with us to talk to the Heavenly Father and say, we, we want to come back. We want to get rid of our iniquities. Take those words with you. Joel chapter 2 and verse 12. Therefore also now, saith the Lord, turn ye even to me with all your heart, and with fasting, and with weeping, and with mourning. Do it for the right cause. Get right with God. Get on your knees. Pray. Confess. Pray. Again, and weep. Rend your heart and not your garments. Don't tear your garments. That's not going to do you any good. What about the heart? What's about your, your brain power? What you're running on? Uh, turn to the Lord your God. For he is gracious and merciful, slow to anger, of great kindness, repenteth him of the evil. God said, you know, sometimes you get me so frustrated that I could do bad for you. The verses in the Bible, they, they say that he's thinking that way. And he said, I could do you wrong. I could hurt you. We need to fear God, knowing that he could. But then live righteously. And he won't do those things. He said he'll, he'll even, you know, kind of regret or repent that he even had that idea on you. He wants you to be saved. He wants you to do well. He wants to give you blessings. There's chapters where half a chapter is on all the blessings that we can have by serving him. Anyway, in Mark chapter 2, this is the New Testament now, verse 17. When Jesus heard it, he said unto them, They that are whole have no need of a physician, but they that are sick. True. So he continues, I came, not into, I came not to call the righteous, but sinners to repentance. The church is not going to be full of everybody perfect. There's going to be some sinners there. And if we don't have the sinners there, boy, we're in trouble too, because we're not witnessing, not testifying, not winning, not baptizing. <laughs> I liked a movie I saw lately that is a strange story, but uh, he had the baptistry out in the middle of the, of the floor, and uh, he had steps to get up there, and he, the, the robes that you could put on, and he says, okay, who's first for baptizing? Everybody was quiet. <laughs> Afterwards, after later in the story, it's what the deaf man heard is the name of the story, but... Later, he had no problems getting people lining up to get in the, get in the water for, for baptizing. Okay, in Luke chapter 3, verse 8, Bring forth therefore fruits worthy of repentance, and, um, and begin not to say within yourselves, We have Abraham for our father. For I say unto you that God is able of these stones to raise up children unto Abraham. 
So don't depend on your family heritage. My mother was a good faithful person. My dad was a elder in the church or something. You can't do that. That uh, Some people say God doesn't have grandparents <laughs> that, that are going to get in for free kind of thing. No, no. Everybody has to come on their own before the Heavenly Father. And repentance, do fruits, do things that are valuable to the Heavenly Father. And that's your fruits of repentance. Luke 15, verse 7. I say unto you that likewise joy in heaven over one sinner that repents more than ninety and nine just persons which need no repentance. Uh, Interesting story because God is happy over everyone. There's joy in heaven over everyone. But so much more on a person that had no hope of the future and accepts Christ as a Savior. There is joy in heaven. Okay. Um, That same chapter, but verse 17 now. And when he came to himself, and the whole story is about these hired servants, and my dad has hired servants, and I should go home and go to him and say something to him. He came to himself. You have to come to yourself one day and say, self, you're not very good. You better get right with God. You know Jesus is going to come. He keeps his all, all of his promises. We need to be ready. Uh, further in that chapter, the son makes his way home, and he says, I'm going to tell Father, and then he does say it, but Father, I have sinned against heaven and, and in thy sight, and am no longer no more worthy to be called thy son. Have we got that kind of grief over going astray from the Heavenly Father? It's important. It's important that we stay right with the Heavenly Father. And of course, this Father in the story is a picture of the Heavenly Father. How he'll take that person back in. He'll fix the problems and bring them back to the, to the true Heavenly Father. Do you remember the publican that was in Luke 18, verse 13? The publican standing afar off. Publican? He wasn't one of the good people. But he stood afar off, would not lift up so much as his eyes unto heaven. Something was wrong in his life. But smote his breast and said, God, be merciful unto me, a sinner. Sinner, and yet he was the better guy in this story. We all start in the same place. All have sinned and come short of the glory of God. We got to do better. We got to get ourselves out of that problem and start doing better. And then the next verse says, "And I tell you, this is Jesus talking. This man went down to his house justified rather than the other. For every one that exalteth himself shall be abased, and those." And he that humbleth himself shall be exalted. Keep ourselves down. Know that we're not that hot, not that good. Um, We need to stay right with the Heavenly Father and use his righteousness and Jesus' righteousness to value our life. Then we are valuable. In Acts chapter 20, verse 21, Paul says, I testified both to the Jews and to the Greeks, repentance towards God and faith towards the Lord Jesus Christ. Wow, that's our job. It was his, what we're all expected. Now he needed to go to Rome because he knew the Roman language. He needed to go to Greece because he knew Greece. He was sent different places because he knew how to operate in that system. 
And he could witness and witness and witness and witness and witness. We don't all have the same calling or the same responsibility. But what is given to us to do, that we better be doing. Having faith towards the Lord Jesus Christ. And 2 Corinthians chapter 7 and verse 8. For though I made you sorry with a letter. And then he says, I, I'm sorry I did that. I repent of that. But I had to write to you anyway. That's what he says there in that verse. He was sorry that he had to write to this 1 Corinthians. Tell them what they were doing wrong. And scold them for doing wrong. And virtually he says, do, do I need to come with a stick when I come to visit you? Does he have to spank them, straighten them out? And he gets pretty serious in this 1 Corinthians. Because he tells them what they were doing wrong and that they better fix it before he gets there. He said, I'm sorry I had to do that. But then he goes on. Now I rejoice, not that ye were made sorrow, sorry, but that ye sorrowed to repentance. He said, yes, I gave you a good scolding. But I'm glad that you sorrowed unto repentance. For ye were made sorrow, sorrow after a godly manner, that ye might receive damage of us in nothing. I didn't do anything to you that was going to damage your faith. He said, I was helping you get out of your problems, get right with the Heavenly Father, and then we'll all be happy and joy in heaven besides. Yeah. All of this today brings us right down to a last verse in Romans 6.23. For the wages of sin is death, no matter what sin it is. There's no big sins, no little white lies. It's all sin or righteousness. For the wages of sin is death. But the gift of God is eternal life through Jesus Christ our Lord. May God bless you. Let's all rise up in your hymnals.